Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is July 14th, 2022. We continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 27, entitled Universal Reciprocity. Now, as we get started, what is reciprocity? When I first did this lesson, I was immediately looked at with the eyes of people that was like, what does this big word mean? Why would you use such a big word? It's not really a big word, but I know it's not a common one. It's not like you go out on the street and you hear people using the word reciprocity. So let me give you some definitions. Reciprocity. A couple definitions means a mutual exchange or a little bit longer definition. Reciprocity is a state in which two people or groups perform mutual or corresponding actions based upon the actions of each other. In other words, you do something good and they do something good back to you. It's a mutual exchange because it's a mutual exchange. Reciprocity is mostly used in the fields of banking and finance. So if you work in those fields, then this is not an uncommon word. You've probably heard it before. If you're an accountant, you've heard this before. However, if you're like many people that do not work in those fields, and I know there are many people that do not even like to look at the money. Uh, They like money, but I mean, they don't like to get into all that uh, accounting, finance, they, they, they prefer other issues of life. Um, this is a word that's not used much at all. And so, but I want to talk about universal reciprocity. And so to understand this, we need to understand the term and understand what it means. And knowing that the banking system uses it gives us a little bit of understanding that this is a term used today. And so what I mean by that, well, and what do I mean by universal? Well, I want us to begin with understanding that um, when it comes to this idea is that you can think of heaven as like the universal bank. You know, it's, it's, it's where, um, like, and like any bank, a bank is where you deposit your money or your treasures until you need them. Well, and heaven, we, we know, we're going to look at a scripture in a minute. Matthew, let's just look at it now. Matthew six nineteen through 20 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And so the idea is that we're supposed to lay up our treasures, make deposits into heaven. And so, um, 
I want us to continue on with understanding, and we've talked about this again in some earlier lessons, about we are managers or stewards of our very lives. Um, and so as good managers or good stewards of what God has given us, um, the scripture here is instructing us that we're to lay up these treasures in heaven by faithfully and obediently managing our lives and all he puts into our hands. That's what we're supposed to do. Let's get some scriptures real quickly. I'm going to get into some of this a little bit more. Philippians 4.17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Matthew 19.21. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. 1 Peter 1.4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, some things I want to point out when I read those scriptures really quickly. Philippians 4.17 talks about our fruit that abounds in your account. Well, that's like a banking term. We have a, accounts at a bank. Um, there's lots of people that are storing in the bank. So how do they know what's yours? Well, you have an account. This is your account. This is yours. Heaven says we have an account in heaven. We're told to store up treasures in heaven. And God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. So we can very quickly see that there is this idea of this heavenly bank. That we're to store up our treasures in heaven. But I want I want to stop a second before we get into reciprocity. And I want us to put in context a little bit about what we are looking into. Because oftentimes, even like right now, we begin talking about banks and treasures and, and heaven and making deposits. And we immediately begin to think about physical money we begin to think about this is jesus talking about uh material things and this is where i think many christians miss the point i've heard people try to say jesus talks about money more than anything else in scripture well number one that's not true at all he talks about many other things other than money and uh, and he talks about eternal life a lot more than he talks about finances he talks about his relationship with his father much more than he does finances. But one, why is there so much talk about money? Well, number one, it's not talking about money. You've missed the context of what's being said. And two, it, it uses that because, quite frankly, we idol worship. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mammon. And mammon was the idol for money. That's so why some contemporary translations will translate mammon as money. You can't serve God and money. Um, but it's, it's the idol, idol, the God of this world, this finances, is money. You can't serve both. And many Christians, they serve mammon. They talk about being good stewards and no, no, no. And they, they give you basically poor arguments that they're materialistic and they serve and they worship money, the God of money. Um 
Jesus summed it up very well. We looked at his disciples and said, whose image is on the coin? These are both Pharisees and his disciples. But they, they said, well, it's Caesar's image. And he's, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. Let's meditate on this. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. You know, and whenever you think, when you're talking about storing up stuff and, and we're getting this reciprocity, start talking, when you start to believe he's really talking about money, I guarantee, pull out your dollar bill, look at whose image is on it, and ask, is this what God is talking about? Because it's not his image on it. What does bear the image of God? This has been discussed in one of our very earliest lessons. We, human beings, we are made in the image of God. We are heaven's currency. We bear the image of God. We should be giving ourselves until we are God's, not that piece of paper. That, that gold coin, that paper, that stuff in your bank account. Listen, the scripture says in the end times when he wraps it up, it's all going to burn. He does not care about it. It's not part of the heavenly system. Oftentimes when I go to teach on things, and even in the business community, when I do some discipleship, and we get down into the crust of it, you have to understand that there's nothing in the financial system that's from the Lord. It's all created by the world. It is the world system. Believers, you have to understand. I, I talk to believers, they struggle, and they go, man, it's like the system is against me. And I'm going, it is. The world system is against you. If it was up to the devil and the world, Christians would starve to death. He is not interested in giving us anything. So when you go out and you apply for a job and you're hired, that is the grace of God. It is the Spirit of God intervening on a system that doesn't want you. When you receive a paycheck, when you make money, when it comes into your hands, number one, you didn't make it. The system doesn't want to give you anything. It wants to take from you. It doesn't want to give you anything. It wants to enslave you. When that comes to you, when those blessings like that comes to you, it is because the Spirit of God has robbed, pillaged the kingdom of darkness to help provide for your needs while we are in the world. Not of the world, but we are in the world. And so there are certain things we need in this world. And so the Spirit of God will pillage the enemy. When you understand the idea of pillaging, and I'm not going to talk about tithing and giving and stuff like that, in this message because it's not what it's about but once we understand that we're pillaging um, our stewardship with this becomes much easier because we realize a it's not doesn't really mean anything in heaven and two we didn't do anything to achieve it it all came from the lord that he's stealing from the enemy and so what's it to us if we want to use that for more god's kingdom What is it about sowing and reaping and reciprocity? What, what, what are you talking about here? This is about our lives. This is about we're to store up our lives in heaven. 
And I've already sort of mentioned, when we talk about reciprocity, this is about mutual exchange. We're making mutual exchanges. And this gets into this idea of, you're hearing Christianity about sowing and reaping. In today's terms, we don't say sowing and reaping. We say depositing and withdrawing. We make deposits and withdrawals. Sowing and reaping is when you, you and, and this thing is you sow as you plant something in the ground, and then the reaping is an, a, a, a harvest comes, and you get to, you know, I sow uh, vegetable seeds, whether it's lettuce or carrots or, you know, orange tree seeds or whatever, and then this plant grows up and then it produces food. I can go get the lettuce and I can eat the lettuce. I can, you know, if I plant carrots, carrots grow and I get to harvest the carrots. If you plant wheat, the wheat plant grows and I get to harvest the wheat. If I plant an orange tree seed, eventually after years, the, the tree grows and it produces fruit that I can harvest that fruit and eat. And we've looked at previous lessons. You know, we can, we can sow and we can water and we can harvest, but we can't make the thing grow. We can't make the plant grow. That's something that, that God does. Um, but let's get into this reciprocity, sowing and reaping. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears reap in joy. He continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Wow. So you have to sow in tears to reap Enjoy. Now let's hold this thought a second. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10. Chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. Boy, when it starts off telling you not to be deceived, you got to understand. People are deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows in the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. Now, some things I want to point out from both of these verses, sowing and reaping, because obviously we're talking about reciprocity. We're getting this idea of sowing and reaping. You, it's a mutual exchange. You do something, you sow, this is where you're making your deposit, and then you reap, is the withdrawal, this is what's coming back to you, this is the exchange. Galatians says, don't be deceived. If you sow this, you will reap it. Now, when understanding, we've used a lot of the analogy of seeds and plants, you can't sow lettuce seed and reap a watermelon. You know, I personally, I mean, I do not like tomatoes. I just, I don't like them. I don't like the, you know, I like, like, you know, pasta sauce and stuff like that. But just eating a raw tomato, it's just, I, you know, and even today I'm older now. And, and when I was a kid, man, I could eat pizza like, like crazy. But today there's something about the red sauce, even in certain pastas, the, the acidity of the tomato, uh, it just makes me ill. And, and so I, I don't like tomatoes. There's a lot of other vegetables I like. And so, you know, uh, let's just let's just pick on, I like, I like strawberries. You know, they're red. They're sweet. I love planting strawberries. There is no way I can plant a tomato seed and get a strawberry. If I want strawberries, I have to plant strawberry seeds. I have to do that. 
And if I was to to do this, uh, this if I was to plant one type of seed and expect something else, people would call me crazy. And yet, today, we live in a society that believes they can do certain things and they don't have to reap the results. In today's, there's so much talk about the abortion. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. And I hear even so many Christians that have bought into this progressive mindset about, you know, oh, well, are you going to adopt? Are you going to do this with these unwanted kids and, and everything? And I want to stop and say, wait a second. You're missing the point of the argument. Because I look at them and say, I'm very pro-choice. The choice isn't to kill the human. The choice is that you chose to have sex, sexual activity, sexual conduct. You made this choice. All sexual activity is for reproduction. Now, I understand it's, it's, it's fun with married couples. It's people, there's, there's other joy and emotional support you're getting from this. But biologically, that's what it's there for, is reproduction. And no matter how cautious you are, there is no such thing as a 100%, uh, 100% guarantee you won't get pregnant. You know, the, the, the pill is very effective, but it's not 100%. Condoms are effective, but they're not 100%. There's no nothing that's 100%. There's always these strange stories of, you know, well, we thought we were protected and the pregnancy occurred. Okay, the pregnancy occurred. Now at this point, the argument is going, well, if no one wants to adopt it, let's kill it. That's ultimately that thing. Well, are you going to adopt it? Are you going to do that? It's, it's what you're trying to escape. That argument is trying to escape. I sowed and I don't want to reap this. Are you going to reap this for me? Cause I don't want to reap it. Um, it, it's a thing. And it's, it's deception. We're mocking God into seed. When we do certain things, there are certain results. It's guaranteed in the scripture. That's why it says, if you reap in the flesh, you will sow in the flesh. If you reap in the spirit, you will reap in the spirit. And then it says that we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And this is what I'm pointing out for Christians. We're talking about universal reciprocity, about, you know, this exchange of things. There are some things that God has asked us to do. He's asked us to sow into things. And we're not talking about money. We're talking about our lives. We're we're called to 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 give of our lives. And how do you you give of our lives? Well, it's, it's suddenly our action. You want to store treasure up in heaven. You store treasure by your actions. Your actions of sowing. What are you sowing? Well, you know, in in a sense, you look at the fruit of the spirit. And you think, well, what's a fruit? Well, a fruit is the reproductive part of a plant that has seeds that when planted will grow. And so when we bear the fruit of God in our lives, then we take that fruit and we what? We sow it, we plant it so that it will grow. You know, that sowing is the action, it's the doing, it's the work. And so when we when we sow love, when we sow patience, when we sow kindness, when we sow the fruit of God, when we do good works... Those things should come back on us. But here's something I want us to see. If we don't lose heart. See, many times we, we lose heart. We're, we're sowing, we're planting stuff. But then 
just like the idea of planting a seed, you have to wait for it to grow. You have to sometimes water. You some there's this waiting process, and oftentimes um, you you plant things in the spring and you don't harvest them to the fall. And the summers are rough. The summers are hot. I live in West Texas, hundred hundred plus hundred ten. I've even got a picture once where it got up to 124. And when people say that's not the record in the area, I'm going to go, well, it was 124 on my thermostat where I was sitting. And and I don't care what anyone says. It was hot. It was, it was really, really hot. And and it's when you're in that type of a heat, you want to get out. And for those of us that are showing reaping, we just want to quit. You just, I just won't quit. That's why Psalm 126 says, He who sows in tears reaps in joy. There's many times that we're called by God to sow, to store up treasures in heaven in situations that are not good. They're not good. And and there are, or, or we sow when things are great, but then, man, things get hot. And we just, we won't lose heart. We just, we just want to quit. But God's saying, no, you need to hang on. Don't lose heart. Things will come back. There's this exchange you've just made. There's a reaping that's going to occur. We will reap what we sow if we don't lose heart. And we can't reap if we never sow. In this instant gratification society we have, we... You know, and I see in the younger generation, they want to get out of school and immediately get a high-paying job, something that will provide for them so that they can have the same life they were living with mom and dad or better. You know, mom and dad had this big house and cars and they could do all this stuff, and I want that too instantly. Without thinking that before they were born, mom and dad sometimes had to scrounge for a living. Mom and dad sometimes had to suffer without going with meals. Mom and dad sometimes had to really fight. I know I've experienced that with my life. You know, in, in one ways I tell people when I was in college, I was richer than I ever was. I had nothing, but yet I also had no obligations. When you have no obligations, 20 bucks goes a long ways. When you have many, many debts and many obligations, $20 doesn't do anything. It's gone and you still owe. And so, you know, as going through life, we're just getting started. We weren't making the biggest paychecks. It was hard. We had to work. We had to, but you get towards the end of your life and all of a sudden you come to this point where your experience, your time, your hard work, you begin to rise to the, your, the peak of your ability to produce finances. You're at at the top of whatever career path you've chosen. And your kids are going off to college or they're going off to life, usually when you're peeking out at the top. And this spirit that has come upon them that they think they should be at that same level is deceptive. You cannot reap what you have not sown. You must go out and do that. And so, and then notice that it says we're also especially told to do good to those who are of the household of faith. Now, this almost sounds like a favoritism in a way, in a way but I, I once said, you know, you've got two starving people in front of you. 
they both they 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 both lack. Who do you do good to? One's a believer, one's not a believer. It's real easy to sort of kind of toss our head back and think, well, you should do it to the non-believer and not the believer. Uh, because A, you'd be showing favoritism if you did it to the believer and 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 blah 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 and a hypocrite. And there's all this stuff that goes into that. But let me let me tell you some of the the points to this. As a believer, God wants to be our provider. And so you see another believer down, and you know God's their provider, but you see them down, they're hurting, and you see this other person. There's a there's a Chinese proverb, and and we all know it. Give a man a fish and he eats for a day, teach a man to fish and he fishes for a lifetime. Well, listen. When you, when you, when you see those two down, if you help the believer who's already walking with God, you're sowing back into the kingdom. That what are you going to reap? You're going to reap kingdom from them. You've sowed into kingdom, you reap kingdom. This other believer then that you sowed into is now getting up and they're going to, because they were blessed and they can stand back up, they can, they can now take this blessing that they have. They can begin sowing back into that themselves and they in turn can turn. And now when they look, they can, they can sow back into the one that lacked. Because you see the one that lacked, if you sow into them, you're giving them a fish. You're not teaching them to fish. And that's from a, materialistic thing that's why we're supposed to help believers because as 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 if all of us believers are being cared for then suddenly there's an extra blessing there's a a harvest that comes in that's because when you harvest it's always more than what you put in and all of a sudden what do you what do the believers do with the excess we're not told to keep it and be selfish we're told to bless those who are in need that's where we help out but if we ourselves are hurting then we have a lack and we can't give out of what we don't have. That's why it says it's even more so there. It's not about not giving. It's about being in a position to do that. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-12 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as a purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness remains forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Some points I want to look at there is that he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It goes on and goes on and says, you have an abundance for every good work. Again, I want to get into this thing. Sometimes when we talk about all this stuff, we just want to think about money. Listen, we're not talking about that. We're talking about sowing your life. It's not, this is about your life. And yes, we have material things in our life that we can use to do good works. But there are other things in our lives that we need to do, to sow 
into people's lives. There's many ways you can help people. You help people, uh, you know, besides money, the farming, processing, distributing. How about transportation, housing, medical services? You know, these are all things that are helping to meet people's needs. But let me share this. Preaching and teaching the Word of God. Bringing forth the ministry of Jesus Christ. Ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Seeing people saved, healed, and delivered. These are major needs in human lives. Even more so than our physical needs. And we need to sow bountifully in these areas. That Chinese proverb I mentioned. We have many proverbs today. Not biblical. Some are good. Some are not. In this Chinese proverb. Listen, it's, it's, like a, it's, it's, it's true, but it's like a half-truth. Because when you sow the gospel into someone, you're sowing eternal life into them. It's more than eating a meal for a day. It's more than teaching them how to get meals every day for themselves. It's where they can suddenly eat for themselves and bring others into the ability to eat forever. Forever, eternity. There are spiritual things, and we are called to what? Do these things bountifully. Why? Because God has provided us what we need to sow. He's provided it. He will supply and multiply what we need to sow. Things in our lives. Not just money. There are, there are, there are these things in our lives to do good works. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. You have shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Listen, when we talk about these things, we need to be making more deposits into life. I know when I teach on relationships, I teach about the idea of your relationship, you need to make deposits and withdrawals. Withdrawals is when you do something bad to your partner or to your friend in the relationship and you've emotionally taken something from them. You need to make relationship deposits where you do good into someone and you don't expect a return because if you get a return, that's a withdrawal. And just like in financing, when you take all your money out of the account, now you're bankrupt. You need to be making more deposits than withdrawals. Spiritually, we need to be making more deposits than we want to withdraw. When, when you sit there and you call upon God to supply needs and His riches and glory, we're making withdrawals. There is a, th- there is a time when we, we, we can call upon God and say, God, I need some of the heavens open. I need some of these blessings to come down. But understand, if you spend heavenly blessings here on earth, it's temporary and you lose them. That's why we're not called to store treasures here on earth. There's moth and rust and decay and they disappear. We're called to store blessings in heaven. See, we're talking about reciprocity, this exchange. There are good things that we need to do here and that we're making deposits in heaven so that we have heavenly returns. The idea that I can make a spiritual withdrawal here, listen, there is some truth to that. But I'm telling you, if you do it, you have nothing in heaven because you've used your blessing here. 
That's why so many of the people you read in the scripture, the, the, the prophets, the disciples, the apostles, why they died poor, why they died martyrs, why, why did they suffer these things? Because they stored their treasure in heaven and they kept it there. They didn't ask God, deliver me, to draw something from heaven and so I don't have to be a martyr. That's an awfully big thing to be receiving in heaven forever and ever to suddenly say, give me a few more years of life on this planet. Now, I'm not being suicidal or something. Please don't take this out of context. But there are things in heaven that we need to keep in heaven. We need to understand that. You know, God sees... What we do, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to read the scripture as long. Matthew chapter six, but it talks about, you know, God sees what we do in secret, and He will reward us openly. Um, you know, um, I'm not going to get into this thing about secret, but God sees what we're doing. He always sees what we're doing. He knows that when you when you do good things, even no one else does. He also sees when we sow negative stuff, and there is negative things that you can sow. You know, Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Man, many people have used this about tithing and teaching for tithing. I'm going to read it. I'm not talking about tithing here. Malachi 3, 8, 9. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what way have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Listen. It's not really about tithing. How did the people of Rob God in Malachi. You read the they robbed him with their life. They did not serve him. They served themselves and they were selfish. And this one scripture, yes, it gets in the tithes and offerings, but you see, they've already robbed God of their very lives. They were religious. They did religious things. But the tithe and the offering that they were was the tithe of their life. It wasn't just they didn't drop some coins into the coffer. It was their whole life that they robbed God of. They were willing to give and play with Caesar's things, but they weren't willing to give God what was God's. So when we talk about universal reciprocity, what we're really talking about that is in God's kingdom our lives are about giving and serving God. It's about serving people. It's about serving God's people and about serving others. How many times have I read in Romans? First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. What's that about? It's about serving God's people and then the lost. Serving God's people and serving the lost. We need to hear and obey God's desire, His direction. Of service. He loves mankind. He has extended grace to mankind. And he's asking us to sow into the work that he is doing. And when we say sow, we're not talking about giving dollar bills with George Washington's face on it. He's talking about you giving of your life, sowing your life into the field of the world that he can produce his seeds, his plants, his people, his kingdom, so that there will be a harvest. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that we're able to take this time and talk about there's an exchange going on, God. There's an exchange. Jesus exchanged his life on the cross. He gave of his purity to take away our sin. And when we get saved, God, that's what we do, Lord. We're taking the life of Jesus upon ourselves to live your life in us so that our life may be crucified with Christ, so that we can die with you and be raised with you. And God, as, as, I, as, as I say that, as I pray this in this prayer, God, you've, you've universally want us to sow and reap in this world. And you want us to sow your kingdom, your seeds, and your life, God. Lord, I pray, God, that we would see these things and we would understand that you have called us to sow into our, with our life, with our actions, with our deeds. God, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't sow negative things. We wouldn't sow sin would so selfishness materialism god and humanism but father i pray that we would sow your kingdom with love patience kindness goodness self-control god these things would be sowed into the world lord the father that you would produce your miraculous kingdom and see people saved and healed delivered that they'd walk in your kingdom, God, that they would be blessed by you, God, and that they could be a blessing for others. For you have created us to perform good works, God, in a world full of evil and darkness. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing, God, and I just ask that you would, for those that listen, that you would anoint them, God, that you give them a heart to sow into your kingdom in such a way. And Lord, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Well, we thank you for listening to this series, this lesson in Chronicles of the Kingdom. If you want to listen to other lessons, you can find those at christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless.